So if you'd like to see some uh, Neolithic uh, rock carvings that were done before the pyramids were built, if you'd like to see some murals, some wonderful murals that were painted by a lady, um, perhaps have lunch in a thatched pub, the only one in Northumberland, and end your day gazing at the Cheviot Hills through a, uh, a druidic stone circle. And if that's for you, well, follow me. Because here we go, we're off to Wooler, where we start. So, as you exit Wooler on the road to Berwick, um, just uh, first turning after the bridge, there's a little bridge um, that allows you to go up towards Chatton. You don't take that, you go on until there's a signpost to Doddington and Lowick and Berwick. And that's the one you take. So you head off on that road and before long you're in the little tiny village of Doddington which has an extremely pretty church um, but curiously it has a watch house built into the churchyard um, which you might see from the road um, and this was built to guard the, uh, the graveyards to deter the robbers that were or had been in the past commissioned by the Edinburgh University students to recover recently uh, interred uh, cadavers that they might uh, experiment and uh, practice their surgical skills upon. So to, uh, to stop this, the, uh, the watch house uh, was built and they employed a watchman to keep away the grave robbers. Um, in Doddington itself, there's a wonderful uh, farm Great grass is grown near Wooler in the uh, Till Valley. And uh, this allows for the production of wondrous cream from the uh, dairy herd that they make into cheese, Doddington cheese and ice cream. And you may buy this from a little uh, uh, stall if you go into the village. And it is award-winning, the cheese. You will be absolutely uh, astounded at the depth of its flavour. A little further along on the right hand side is the signpost to a golf course and you think this is odd for a, a golf course uh, to be up here because there are hills about. Anyway if you were to go up there and if you fancied a game you would come to a very well appointed uh, clubhouse and you would be advised that the course was nine holes in terms of its having nine greens, but it does have 18 tees. So you may play a full round of 18 holes um, and enjoy some of the most spectacular scenery, towards the Cheviots particularly, and also on the seventh green just off it, this is the, a green that's encompassed by a, uh, a Bronze Age rampart, but there is a, a Neolithic cup and ring stone, and this is a Grade One listed building in t terms of its protective status. So you've been on a golf course that's well, the only golf course that I'm aware of that has a Grade One listed building on it.
Also, it's curious, when you're on this green, occasionally you see and look on top of the aircraft that are flying on a NATO mission uh, from Germany or wherever they've come from over the North Sea to the bombing ranges at Otterburn on their practice. And you can actually wave to the pilots. It's a bit spooky. So, uh, that's Doddington. Head up the, uh, the road towards um, Berwick-on-Tweed and look out for the white bungalow on your right-hand side uh, that has a signpost to Lowick. Now, opposite that is another the signpost, a little finger post says Kimmerston, K-I-M-M-E-R-S-T-O-N-E, -E, which is where the riding stables are. Uh, and that's the road you take. So you go down left and it's single track. So as you go gently down this single track, um, hopefully that you don't meet Mr. Gold on his uh, tractor, because it's his land left and right, um, you will be uh, absolutely staggered by the beauty of the view in front of you. You have the full line of the uh, Cheviot Hills as you go down this uh, hill towards Kimmerston. So what you're looking for is a uh, track on the right-hand side, which is just below the tree line. It's on the tree line, on the right-hand side. So follow it, the road, slowly all the way down. And when you come to the trees at the tree line, on your right, you will see a little legend that says Routing Lynn. So that's uh, Routing Lynn, R-O-U-T-I-N-G-L-I-N-N, Routing Lynn. Routing was the uh, old Celtic uh, description of the bellowing of a bull, routing, and Lynn was the name for a waterfall. So this is the waterfall that makes a noise like a bull. And this is what you're going to see. Um, but prior to that, you're going first in to see the uh, magnificent Neolithic carvings that were left on a stone outcrop at the outskirts of a camp whose definition is uh, very clear in that there are three very distinct trenches and earthworks round it in a circle. So this was a large camp. And these cup and ring markings are a curiosity which is almost unique to Northumberland. There are a few, I believe, in Yorkshire and one or two in Cumberland. But there are many, hundreds, uh, visible today in North Northumberland particularly. Now, these cup and ring markings are as they're described. They have a cup, which is a central uh, hole. It looks as though it was made to house an egg. It's like an egg cup holder. And then round from there, normally, are a series of concentric circles, some with exit points and some with entry points, often pointing in different directions. And these were carved on the uh, uh, rocky outcrops outside the defences of a bronze or stone age fort. 
Now, nobody, and that's nobody, has any idea what they represent. There are theories of it being um, religious, uh, also astronomical, many think it's chronological, a few believe it to be the cartographs of the other sites, uh, neighbouring sites, for wandering uh, travellers, uh, a map, and there are others that believe it has celestial overtones, but nobody has interpreted them. But they exist and they are mind-blowing. Because to think of an ancient, untutored being uh, with a deer's horn scratching these into the stone for the hours it took, their meaning must have been deeply important to them. So when you've got to the tree line and you go through the little gate that takes you uh, into routing Lynn um, stones, you come to a little glade first. To, uh, watch the uh, tree roots, the quite dramatic the tree roots. The path veers slightly uh, left and there in front of you, you see the rock. Um, and at first you think, what's all that? And go closely and see. And there are... Uh, 52 different separate uh, carvings. Um, actually, there's some that actually look like a bit like an alphabet. But you go and you interpret them, because it's your turn, and see if you can make any sense out of it. Um, were you to go a little further along the, uh, the, the track that um, you've come down, you will come to the three very distinct ditches that... Uh, um, show the the curtilage of the uh, the fort, which uh, has a waterfall as its defence at its western end. So there, are the stones, the cabin ring markings at Routing Lynn, and there aren't a huge number of people that get to see these. So now we're going to see where all of the fairies in Northumberland uh, are buried. And we're going to see Routing Lynn itself. We're going to the waterfall. But you need to be slightly athletic for this because you're going to scramble down a, a little bit of a bank. So be immensely careful. If you have any medical condition that you think might prevent you from doing this, under no circumstances attempt it. But if you're fit and well and strong you will be rewarded with a sight that will gladden your eye. So a little further down the road, if I can call it that, that you've uh, just been on, um, only about 200 yards on your uh, left is a path to a little forest, but on your right is the signpost to Routing Lynn Farm. Um, so if you park just outside of there, there's plenty of room on the grass, um, to get to the waterfall, you need to advance up the road towards the farm about uh, ooh, 100, 150 yards. But have a look for your, uh, your marker is the stream bed on, on the left-hand side. Um, and there's a water pipe on the right-hand side that you might uh, be given a clue that this is where you want to be. 
there is a fairly distinct path, but uh, please don't miss it. Now, again, I'll reinforce this. It, for those um, of a certain age uh, or temerity, um, carry on to the little bridge and bask in the sun while the fit uh, descend from this point to the stream bed. Um, and you do this via a little rocky outcrop under two very large and extremely ancient beech trees. And it's very steep, so you need to hang on and uh, be very careful. But once you've uh, uh, got to the, uh, the base of the, uh, the stream bed, follow that down. There's a very clear, distinct path, uh, and it bears right by a fallen tree. And this is when you perhaps first hear the, the rumble. And if it's been raining, it would actually be a bit of a roar. Uh, and this betrays the, uh, the, the fact that you are approaching the bellowing bull of a waterfall. So follow this little path around. You will come on your right-hand side to a little cave, which was a, the beginning of a, a mine which has been abandoned. But um, carry on, and then in front of you, uh, cascading from 32 feet into an uh, amber-coloured uh, pool of water surrounded by rocks and ferns is the waterfall, Routing Lynn. And in its rainbow that uh, might be there, if it's uh, sufficient foam has been generated, you might see flittering through the rainbow the fairies, the little fairies that uh, are buried here. Every fairy in Northumberland is buried close to the sound of this waterfall. Now, if you're not moved by this, then you shouldn't be here, really, because it's time to worry. But you will be, and you will carry this memory of Northumberland with you for a very long time. So, you've got to go back now, which is uh, not really quite as difficult uh, as coming down. Because anybody that climbs mountains, uh, as I used to, uh, knows it's not too difficult getting up, but it's often hellish getting down. So, climb back up the, uh, the path you've come, uh, get to your car, and head further down the road. And here, you may see some buzzards. There are many buzzards around here, uh, and at times when their chicks have hatched, you might see the curious way the female buzz buzzard uh, gets her chick to hover and to fly, because they fly underneath the fledged bird, the newly fledged bird, and bounce it upwards. Uh, it looks as though they're fighting, but they're not. It's just encouraging the bird to go higher and higher and higher until it suddenly, and you can almost feel the uh, uh, acquisition of its knowledge of the motion of flight and the spreading of its uh, wing fingers to uh, soar. Wonderful to see. This happens in August. However, onwards through to uh, Kimmerston, which you turn uh, to your right, and there are the riding stables, where you may hire uh, excellent ponies um, and actually go for a trek in the hills, if you like, even up as far as Routing Lynn. Uh, 
So from there you would head towards the village of Ford. So as you uh, come to the T-junction, which is the end of this little road, you are almost uh, exactly in front of Ford Castle, but you're in the village of Ford. Now, Ford Castle is uh, really quite proud of itself because it was the first castle to be designed uh, with a four-tower quadrangle, um, which you would have seen at Chillingham had you been there first. Other than that, Chillingham is another one. But this is the original one, and it was uh, given permission to crenellate and was built in 1282. Now, the original owners of the, uh, the castle were the Heron family, and they enjoyed the border-reaving lifestyle that uh, prevailed in this part of the country for over 300 years. Uh, and by all accounts, they were very, very good at it. However, these activities were not without danger, um, as Lady Elizabeth Heron found out one cold 5th of September in 1513, when she woke up to find King James IV of Scotland and his army of about 80,000 camped on her front lawn. Um, Lady Elizabeth's husband uh, had been given to King James of Scotland as a hostage to guarantee the good conduct of the border uh, and the conduct of his brother, who was called the Bastard Heron. And he was terrorising the Scottish border with a band and, a, and abandonment uh, of 200 men. Uh, and he was incarcerated in the castle at Fast by Eymouth. So she was um, unable to rely on any male support and she was aware that King James had uh, crossed the border and she had sent this intelligence to the Earl of Surrey at Newcastle who was desperately waiting for more troops uh, to march um, them up the Till Valley. So his response to her was to beg her to delay the king by all means. And it is recorded that uh, the obedient fair Chatelaine held the king in dalliance, as it was described, for three days. Uh, just think of England, dear. Uh, and in the true spirit of warfare, James, after three days, decamped with his army towards Flodden over the Ford Bridge uh, before taking up his position at Flodden and in the true spirit of warfare burnt the castle before he left. And we'll see how uh, Heron's vengeance was central to the debacle which followed at Brankston three days later. The castle is now under the ownership of Lord Joycey who continues the tradition founded by uh, Lady Louisa, uh, who we'll come across uh, a little later, with the provision of facilities for the education of Northumbrian children. Um, this, this castle is actually let to the local education authority 
for the provision of residential field trips for children of all ages and all backgrounds from the schools in Newcastle. So just imagine uh, if you were a child, if you were going to go and sleep in a real castle. So having turned right um, and then immediately first left, you will be in the um, houses that were built uh, by Lady Louisa um, for the benefit of the servants of the castle. And there's now a small tea room there, which is opposite Lady Waterford's Hall, um, which is where Louisa painted, but we'll come to that in a minute. But this little tea room um, is excellent because it's got a little after crafty gallery and bits and pieces, um, and uh, it might be time for a cup of tea. If you were to carry on having turned right uh, up through this little village of Ford, uh, you would have to turn right again, and there you would see the blacksmith's cottage, but it has a whole horseshoe carved in stone as its doorway, so it's worth going up just to see that. Um, however, uh, for those who love to wander around uh, larger rooms and admiring paintings hanging from the walls, um, Lady Waterford's Hall is something that will really pull your trigger because instead of hanging on the wall, Lady Louisa painted on them. And here you will see the largest watercolour frescoes in Western Europe. And these were painted over a period of 21 years by that most refined and dignified lady, Lady Louisa, who was the Marchioness of Waterford. Now, Louisa was born in 1818 and was the second daughter of Sir Charles Stuart, who was the British ambassador to Paris. So Louisa's education was largely in Europe, um, and she was in fact a bridesmaid at Queen Victoria's wedding. And she latterly then married the Marquis of Waterford, who in 1842 was tragically killed in the hunting field in Ireland in uh, 1859. So his death mask actually uh, is to be seen in the painting uh, as Isaac. When you look at Isaac, uh, have a look, that is the death mask of her husband. Um, so Louisa uh, was saddened, of course, by the death of her husband in Waterford. Um, whilst having a house high Clare in Dorset, she devoted her widowhood between uh, this and uh, this abode here in um, Northumberland and Dorset. However, Lady Louisa's shock at the lack of education afforded to the children of her tenants on the Ford estate um, stimulated her into having a schoolhouse built, which is the one that you're in, um, so that they might have a good sound Christian education. So much so that the estate became one of the very few in England whose tenants' children were common, uh, you know, totally competent in the three hours. Um, now, to reinforce the Christian values that were taught in this place, 
Lady Louisa took it upon herself to uh, exercise the painting talent that she had uh, been schooled in, and more particularly while she was in Paris. So she undertook the internal decoration of the hall by painting biblical scenes as frescoes um, and using her staff and of course their children as models. Her very first one is Cain and Abel and the uh, serpent temptation and that's to be seen on the left of the facing wall as you um, enter the building. Now the Old Testament stories continue down the wall ending with Daniel refusing wine. Um, Lady Waterford, she forswore alcohol following her husband's death, believing it was a contributory factor to his falling off his horse. Um, this fresco contains a coloured servant modelled by her cook called Tom Fat um, and shows them uh, rejecting alcohol. The right-hand wall contains the window which was painted using scenes from the New Testament and it has as its centrepiece the most charming picture of the boy Jesus at the age of seven. Now the model for this was a, a child called Jimmy Locke who was the son of a coal miner on the estate. Now this painting has the most eerie, eerie quality. And let me describe it to you. Uh, to understand what I mean, you've got to follow these directions exactly. Stand in the left-hand corner of the hall and look at the picture. And pay particular attention to the position of the child's feet. Got it in your mind? Stick it there. Fine. Now, look towards the bottom of the hall and walk all the way down to the bottom looking straight ahead and when you get there turn round and look at the child again and gasp when you see the position of his feet. I'll go no further but if you do it you most certainly will gasp and it was to ensure that the Christ child followed every child that was in the room. So uh, that's a marvellous uh, way to spend uh, an hour, but it's time to get the train. So into the car, uh, turn right to go down the hill, passing where you entered uh, Ford. Uh, keep going all the way down, the road bears right. At the bottom of the hill there is a bridge over the river Till, which you don't take because that takes you to Flodden, on, that's on the left, you go straight ahead to the village of Eatle. Um, and I think it's the uh, B6354. Anyway, it's the on the way to the, the prettiest village in uh, Northumberland, as it's voted. But don't let the villagers of Ford hear you say that, by the way. So about half a mile before the village is a very splendid spot to spend uh, perhaps an hour or two. It's called Heather's Law Mill and looks like no railway station you will have ever seen. Now this little complex is on the bank of this languid but 
very sneaky river Till and it holds many surprises as you start to imagine this when you park your car by the only thing for miles which is a metal footbridge put up as a temporary measure light years ago after a flood. So as you close your car door you may be shocked to hear a railway engine hooting a welcome because you've parked in the Heather's Law Light Railway car park. Now any fan of any age of Thomas the Tank Engine will be overjoyed to see the ticket office and the platform on which a narrow gauge railway leaves with its open air passengers for its only stop, Eatle Village, two miles down the track, following the banks of the river. It's a 50 minute round trip with family tickets available and it really is a great way to have a bit of fun. Um, a railway train. Oh, don't we remember them with joy. So after an exhausting railway journey, you'll be gasping for a cup of tea and a sticky bun, I should think. And it just so happens that by crossing that uh, ugly bridge that I told you about, uh, you will come to Heather's Law Mill itself. And you will see that it's been fully restored because its water wheel is still in motion and it has a resident miller who will grind the local corn to the finest flour that you might be dying to purchase for uh, to make and imitate the scones that you're about to devour in the well-appointed uh, tea room. Now light lunches and a great manner of goodies are made available each day. Um, I love the border tart there. Um, Oh, it's got all candied peel and all the lovely things in it. It's to die for. However, you can browse the mill and marvel at the restored uh, tooth gearing and the size and variety of the grinding stones. Each of the stones uh, was used to mill different grains and to have different sizes of flour. The transparent parts of the floor allow you to see the water race um, turning the huge paddles and so to crank the gearing and transmit its power to man's design and it's, I suppose, there to sustain him in the staff of life, um, bread. Uh, there's a well-stocked gift shop there too, which has a wide variety of flour milled products for you to buy, um, all made in the exact place that you're standing. So uh, do have a look. And before you go back and cross the bridge, there's a, a convenience for you to restore yourself to your comfort. Um, and as you go back over the ugly bridge, you may not find it now so ugly as you did when you first saw it. Because if you stand in the middle of it and you look either left or right, it's not unusual to be able to see a basking salmon or a sea trout. So uh, altogether, the most satisfying place. Heather's Law Mill and Thomas the Tank Engine. So onwards um, out of Heather's Law Mill, turn left and onwards to Eatle. And now the serenity of Eatle is immediately apparent when you see the beautiful Copper Beach hedges 
and there's a very well tended cricket pitch um, as you enter the village. Um, it's basically only got one street, Eatle, but oh, what a street it is. You uh, have to turn left into it and you'll be astonished to see all of the, uh, the number of thatched cottages that there are there. Um, in fact, there's the only thatched pub in the Thumbland here, the, uh, the Black Bull, acknowledged for its fine ale and excellent food. So uh, you may not be able to resist this, and I don't blame you. Resistance is something I don't do very well. So the uh, plants of the people that own these cottages are occasionally put out by their front uh, doors or by the pavement uh, uh, to buy those that are surplus to their requirements. So at the end of the village uh, is Eatle Castle. And this is further evidence of James IV's um, uh, vandalism. He was a vandal of uh, Olympic proportions. Because what's left of the great castle of the Manners family um, is there for you to, uh, to wonder at. There's a splendid car park here at the castle, which you may uh, go up and go into. There's a little small wood park there and come down. And um, as you approach the castle, it's, I think it's English heritage that's uh, uh, its custodian, you may go and look around the memorabilia of the Battle of Flodden, which uh, occurred a couple of miles away up at Brankston. But that's the subject of another day out. However, you might see that uh, and, and be amused by it. The... Uh, the castle itself was built for the Manners family and it was built in 1341 um, and the masons who built this had just completed a Ford castle. So the five foot thick battlements really, um, despite their best efforts, were unable to pre prevent James from uh, entering over the drawbridge with uh, fire in his heart. The um, the two cannons that flank the entry turrets were salvaged from the Royal George when it's after it, had, it sank at Spithead of uh, Hampshire Portsmouth um, in 1782. So you've parked your car, you might have seen the, uh, the museum, um, and your entry ticket also allows you to wander around the remains of this once proud manor's home. And the, the walls, as you can still, still see, the, the fire scars of uh, James's wrath. So before you go, it's worth spending a couple of minutes by the banks of the till. So turn left from the castle, and it's only a hundred yards away. Um, there are the tiptoe stones, if you want to cross. Um, and, uh, there's a cup of tea at the post office waiting for you if you uh, if you fancy that, and again, they make a, a classic border tart. Actually, they even do mail order, so you might want to make a note of their address. So uh, there's uh, uh, still a little way to go before we finish the day, and uh, we've got uh, Duddo to see. Um, and what's a Duddo? I hear you ask. 
Well, you're really going to be amazed, but be prepared for a bit of a stroll. So I know that many of you will have a sort of mystical fasc fascination about Neolithic uh, uh, stone circles. Um, we have huge numbers of people uh, come to the Henge, at Stonehenge, um, at the solstices. And there are very many uh, remains of uh, this Druidic um, temple of worship and uh, governance uh, to be seen throughout the kingdom of uh, both Scotland and uh, ourselves in England. The uh, stones here at Duddo are absolutely remarkable because they are of a m much earlier uh, type and style um, than Stonehenge and they are certainly contemporary with those at Glastonbury. So how do you get to these? Well, uh, exit uh, Eatle, get to the uh, top of the main street, turn left and the signpost would direct you to Duddo and Berwick. So uh, about a couple of miles down the road um, you will be confronted by the remains of a Peel Tower on your right hand side. Um, then the, uh, uh, the road bears right if you then, it's in front of the big farmhouse, if you then bear left, you uh, are on the unsignposted road which actually leads you to the A698 and to Corn Hill in Berwick. So uh, go down this road uh, for about three fields um, on your right, count the fields, and you'll come across a, uh, a little legend on the side of the road that says Stone Circle. So stop and park and you must now uh, track the hedgerows of the three fields in front of you. You can't go wandering across the fields because they may well be full of corn planted or uh, even prior to harvest. The lucky people actually, if they had been planted for corn, uh, come at the end of August when in fact you can go straight to the to the stones. But you're going to have to, I think, go around by the hedgerows. Um, follow this, it's quite clear where you're going. After the first field, you'll be able to see on the horizon in front of you um, an, uh, uh, a grassy mound, because it hasn't been cultivated, um, on which there are um, five strange objects and these in fact are the uh, five sisters of Duddo. So uh, make your way there and there's a path that allows you to uh, come and should you choose enter into the centre of the circle. Um, and I uh, wonder just what could a, sort of a tingle you're going to have when you do that and you look at the Cheviot Hills that uh, are embroidered on the skyline. It's, uh, it's really quite spooky. But uh, the, uh, the primitive in you will be aroused and who knows were you to close your eyes what visions you may have. Um, the uh, stones, as I said to you earlier, are undressed um, so they haven't been shaped in any form 
um, and they're huge, massive um, superstars, really. And I think they're very much more evocative than the um, manicured variety of uh, Stonehenge. But that's just an opinion. So when you've had your fill of that, um, you must be really quite tired by now. So on your way back to the car and home to uh, wheresoever you may be setting out for your evening's entertainment and reflection on what I'm sure has been a most rewarding day. But before we go, I close, I would love to introduce you to uh, my sponsors uh, for this day and have them give you uh, an indication of their services and their goodies that may assist you in this uh, wonderful holiday I hope you're thoroughly enjoying.